0: Hello, my name is Hannah Markham. I'm chair of Women in Family Law, and welcome to this second in a series of podcasts produced for Women in Family Law. This is the first in what I hope will be um, a sequence of podcasts directed at uh, well-being, particularly well-being for um, members of our association women and women in family law. I'm joined today by Uma Mays, who is a psychotherapist who has agreed to talk to me today and share some thoughts with you all about how to manage mental health and anxiety during this period of COVID crisis.
1: Hello, Uma. Hello, Hannah. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to come and talk to you on your podcast for Women in Family Law about mental health. Thank Um, you very much for joining us. (laughs) Pleasure. Um, So I am a counsellor in private practice working in Hertfordshire. I'm a qualified psychodynamic counsellor and BACP registered. I work with individuals from teenagers to young adults, adults and elderly from diverse backgrounds. And also I work with couples and relationship counseling. So we're in this lockdown situation for at least uh, until the end of April, as we heard last night. So let's think about how our mind um, or brain deals with this sort of lockdown situation. Everyday life has changed dramatically in the last few weeks we're in the middle of an unprecedented crisis which has shown up and unexpectedly causing profound impact not just on ourselves, but on families, friends, and community. We're living in turbo anxious times and the invisible threat is terrifying, getting worse as each day goes by and makes us feel totally out of control. Human minds do not like being out of control. Being able to do normal everyday activities we take for granted, such as going shopping, meeting family and friends for coffee or lunch, playing sports, all are reliable, predictable actions that allow us to feel connected with the world, making us feel safe and secure. So the lockdown, which has never been experienced before and makes us feel threatened. As humans, when exposed to threats, our warning part of our brain springs into action. Evolutionarily, it is a very ancient part of our brain which came into being when threats consist of being eaten by large animals. Mm -hmm. So you are set up for fight-or-flight response or even freeze. Our bodies respond to this by flooding it with adrenaline and cortisol, which increases our heart rate, reduces our breathing, and our muscles are ready for action. These chemicals don't just prepare us for flight or fight, but also are responsible for other cognitive, physical and emotional reactions such as mood swings, insomnia, lack of concentration, tummy upsets and so on. In group fear situation like this pandemic, even if we feel we're not scared because the whole world is facing the same problem, our bodies are still experiencing fear and threat, even if our conscious mind doesn't. It's okay if we can run away, but we were told to do the exact opposite. Sit still, stay locked down, process lots of information, and might make life-changing decisions with so many unknowns, such as how long will the lockdown continue? What will the future look like after the lockdown? Will I still have a job? Will I lose anyone close to me? So this results in an awful lot of stress and anxiety. That's fascinating, Uma. And um, and so
0: thinking about the the women in family law, and they're, they're stuck in this situation of lockdown, have you been able to think about some particular advice that you can give to those women that that usually are are out there going off to their courtrooms and they're able to deal with their Mm. stress and their work life in that way, but now find themselves all stuck in one place, having to manage everything in their one Mm. particular
1: home? Mm. Yeah. So COVID-19 puts even fully functional, emotionally stable human beings in a vulnerable, anxious, and stressful place. But as you said, barristers, lawyers, solicitors in family law normally work under quite a lot of pressure anyway, with highly complicated life issues such as domestic violence, child sex abuse, gender equality, and so on, and very stressful and emotionally demanding. So the lockdown, having to work remotely from home, can have profound impact on mental health for these gut professionals. Um, although there may be few advantages to working from home, such as not having to spend hours commuting, therefore saving hours a day, being able to spend more time with family, and therefore developing different relationships with children and partners. But it feels lockdown may have far more disadvantages to working from home, and therefore impact on mental health needs to be taken very seriously. So it can be lonely and make you feel isolated. Travelling to and from work can give you time and space to reflect and distance yourself from difficult emotions you may have had to encounter in your cases during the day. Being with your team of like-minded people can act as a support network when handling difficult cases. And also, if you're living in accommodation with family and friends, you might not have enough space for separating work and home life, having young children to look after and homeschool, while working on default cases can be very demanding. So, so, how do you how do
0: you think sort of setting out those issues? Um, um, how would you okay. say that we we could? How do you say that we could find ways to look after our mental health?
1: Okay. So, um, how can we look after our mental? health? Very good question, Hannah. Um, so, uh, eat well, sleep well. Sounds easy, mm-hmm. but with shopping restrictions, social distancing. Buying the right food can be difficult and might need planning. Again, in these stressful times, that's, it's not going to be easy. Sleep is really important so we can function well and also helps minimize stress and worry. But when you are highly anxious, that can be difficult. So taking time each day to practice deep breathing, meditating, yoga, whatever that you might find useful or Performing regular exercise in the day, if you can set some time aside, again, would help have a good night's sleep. Having daily routine with boundaries for working hours, so you're not working all hours and you've got some spare time to do these activities can be helpful. Um, And discussing your fears with someone you trust. If it's not a family member or friend, then maybe a therapist you can chat to in confidence. Um, Limiting social media feeds. Which may expose you to misinformation and speculation, causing worry and anxiety.
0: So, so you're, you're warning people to be careful about some of these um, ongoing WhatsApp messages and mm. um, tr- truths that aren't possibly truth. So, fact checking a bit more and staying right. away from some of it.
1: And also, maybe turning off some of the notifications and, you know, to only get those important ones that might be useful for you to look at. Um, and, you know, this is, again, another easy one. Be kind to yourself. We're, when we're not feeling safe, secure and contained, we can become too self-critical and may put more demands on ourselves to do more, which can leave us feeling depleted and negative. Asking support from family, friends and colleagues. Asking for help makes us feel vulnerable, which is obviously an uncomfortable emotion and we therefore avoid asking, but it would help when you need help to just reach out. And and if you're tired and you've overworked and emotional and you've had children to deal with all day, um, it's okay to cry. You know, (laughs) crying releases a number of stress hormones and other chemicals, which in turn reduces stress. And over time, if you are becoming concerned about your mental health in this lockdown and you feel you're suffering from panic attacks and depression, you feel down, you don't want to get out of bed, or there's some addictions to alcohol, substance, and food, or if you're, you know, having serious eating disorders or suicidal thoughts, you need to ask for help as you're not alone. And there are many services which can offer you care in confidence. And, you know, there are the Samaritans or, you know, the Depression Alliance, Alcoholic Anonymous, and there are a few more, which I can let you know on the um, podcast at the end. Um, And again, you know, like myself, uh, there are other um, therapists throughout the country who can be found on a number of um, websites like Counseling Directory, BACP, Psychology Today. So, yeah, there is lots of help out there, but it's, again, feeling comfortable enough and to reach out and ask for these when you need it. So you've just
0: um, set out a few different leads that people can follow if they have any serious concerns. And mm-hmm. for all of our members, we will post those on the website so they can follow through. Okay. Um, one of the things that I, I, I've noticed through talking to um, friends and colleagues is that we're very used to being strong women and we deal with lots of difficult issues and we quite often carry the emotions of our clients. And it's quite difficult to make that first phone call. Um How difficult do you you find, do people find it when they talk to you for the first time?
1: It's terrifying for clients to pick up the phone or email or text to make that initial contact. And, you know, when you talk to them after they've come for the assessment, they say they've been thinking about it for weeks or days and getting themselves to actually do it. It takes them a long time. But once they've gone past that initial call, text, it's fine. They're then free to come and chat face-to-face or online. But yeah, that first call is the hardest thing to do. And if you can get yourself past that, it'll get easier. And I know that many of us are now having to live our
0: lives remotely. Uh, we conduct court hearings remotely. Are you able to have an effective first session uh, in a remote access way or using a remote platform?
1: Yeah, so, um, it, you know, Zoom and, and Skype of um come in, you know, in a big way. And recently, we've been trialing lots of other uh, applications as well. But online, yeah, it, it seems to be working very well. And we can even do assessments and things online now. So it's yeah, taken off really well. Brilliant. And On a, on a
0: more serious note, you flagged up the fact that self-isolation in this way or staying at home in this way can actually exacerbate un- any underlying issues or mm. addictions. What I know particularly a difficulty might be for people when they're at home now with, with drinking. Um, what, mm. what, what advice would you have about that?
1: Um, Yeah, so, you know, we all want to come home at the end of the day and have a drink to relax and it's never a problem. You have a couple of glasses of wine or a beer or something and then you go to bed. I guess identifying when it's becoming maybe a little bit more than just a a temporary release um, is when you start having issues with family members or the relationships are, you know, getting to be a bit problematic, then maybe that's when to say, oh, you know, am I drinking too much? Am I eating too much? You know, and recognizing that and distracting yourself from doing other things so you don't just do more of the same um, is quite key. Um, And I know at this time, it's very, very difficult because we're all locked in and can't really go out and do distract ourselves to do other things. Um, But just being mindful of the fact that, you know, you are in a crisis and it's going to exaggerate the situations anyway. And if it does become a problem, yeah, there's lots of support and help out there to go and, you know, get some support. Yeah. On another
0: topic, you talked about exercise, and I know that many of us are able to engage in online activities. So we can do our yoga by Zoom, or we can do personal training sessions by Zoom. But is that really the best way forward? What about just going outside? What do you say about that, leaving the small area that we're living in, or the larger area for some people, Mm. and just getting outside? How important is that for our mental health?
1: Definitely. Fresh air, even just going for a walk around the block, is really really important especially if you're working from home and living your life in the same home with the same people so just a bit of space and distance does make a big difference but then you know some of us like being you know with other people. and with this social distancing stuff going on you can't you know go for a walk or run with friends and you are you know isolated so maybe the zoom yoga or the zoom exercise pt sessions are quite good because you're then you know, connecting with people while you're doing whatever the exercise that you're doing. So, you know, both are good. If you can get a bit of both, that's really good.
0: And I just want to ask you about some views uh, or advice you might have about the working environments. So there will be a whole variety of people listening in and a variety of uh, home environments. So some people will be very fortunate and they can have a designated study where they go in and undertake the work or do their court hearings or their Zoom meetings. Mm. Others may not be so fortunate and find themselves in in very small environments, perhaps with no separate workspace. In fact, even having to use their bedrooms for Mm. their offices. What advice do you have for people in those situations?
1: It's really important to have some boundaries. So, you know, if in the start of the day, you take your work into wherever you're going to work from, whether it's the bedroom or the kitchen or the living room um, and work from it. But to make a point of every day at the end of your working day, to take the work material out and put it, you know, behind the door or somewhere. So it's not just present all the time, 24-7 for you to walk in and out of, because then you're not able to separate yourself from work and home life. And the two sort of inter- mingles into one, which doesn't help, you know. So as long as you can take it in and out of where you want to be working from at the end of the day, that would be very, very helpful. And I also
0: find that um, I I know I particularly um difficulties in imposing boundaries on myself. I mm. found that people are expecting us to start earlier. So eight o'clock meetings, eight fifteen meetings and we're carrying on into you know six, seven o'clock at night. Mm. Um How important is it to impose boundaries, actually, not only on ourselves, but on those asking us to meet earlier and being stuck in a room on a computer all day? What advice do you have about how we can manage those working environments?
1: Yeah, setting reminders, you know, on computers or phones to say, you know, start work, end to work, or even actually putting it out there and emailing your, whether it's clients or, you know, people that you work for to say, look, my day starts at this time and ends at this time. And that's, you're sticking to it because the boundary working life is so key when you're in this lockdown situation, because you've got to go and do other things. You know, you can't leave it and go home. So because you're living with work, you know, it's really key that you have set hours that you're working and to impose that and be strong enough to say, look, this is my hours that I'm going to work. And do you think we should still be having, you
0: know, coffee breaks or tea breaks and our lunch hours?
1: Oh, definitely. Even more important now that you're locked down and you're in, you know, in your home environment is to walk away from that desk or, you know, wherever you're working from to just even walk into the garden, have a cup of tea, or just go for a little walk at lunchtime, maybe, you know, have a sandwich and wander around the block. You know, it's so important to have regular breaks so that you do give yourself that space. And, looking at computers and being locked in and
0: you and I probably sitting here in front of computers with earphones on. Is there advice you can give about breaks we should take from that environment?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, screens are not, you know, good for your eyesight, your backs because you're hunched over working on computers. So if you're working with computers, it's even more important that you walk away more frequently, you know, every hour, just even stand behind, stand away from the chair and, you know, read a book or a paper or something, but just stand up and do something before you sit back down and, you know, continue. Even at a very short break, very regularly is key if you're looking at a screen and working on computers. Yeah.
0: But on the other flip side, positives, a lot of us have um, found that staying in touch with our family and friends and actually our colleagues Mm. through coffee mornings or Zoom uh, cocktail hours. So for example, the Women in Family Law are doing uh, coffee mornings, uh, that that Mm -hmm. we're reaching out to women across the country. And we do that via Zoom. How important Mm -hmm. are those kind of connections, even if we are doing them through the screen again?
1: Mm, uh, Very, because, you know, even even though it's online, you're still seeing these people, seeing their faces. And that connection is quite key. Because, you know, we thrive on relationships as humans. And we need to have that contact. And anything is you know, welcome at this time when you're not allowed to go and meet people. So having that regular coffee morning or, you know, end of a Friday, end of the week drink, maybe, you know, a little chit chat, you know, and even some of the companies I've talked to, they do some lunchtime exercise classes in work during work hours. So anything to make that connection with others is really, really good for your mental health. Yeah.
0: So in summary, you are very clear that we have to put boundaries in place. And I know that before lockdown is something that the Bar Council and the Law Society were trying to advocate, that we were very firm that we we don't respond to emails at 10 or 11 o'clock at night and that Mm. courts should be firm and clear that we we, we aren't expected to work late into night. We must keep those boundaries in place, mustn't we?
1: Mm, definitely. And it's really great to hear that, you know, your firm has actually imposed that even before the lockdown. That's really encouraging to hear. Doesn't happen very often in other industries. So yeah, stick to it. Well, we should try try and get the judges on board and other members to
0: to reinforce what we were starting. Yes. Well, Ima, thank you so much for giving your time to talk to Women and Family Law today. I hope that you will uh, give up some more time in the not too distant future to talk again perhaps with a a few different topics such as juggling parenthood or support for vulnerable parents particularly when they are some miles away would you be willing to do
1: that yeah it was a pleasure talking to you today Hannah and I'm more than happy to come back and talk to you about other you know pressing issues that may come up
0: yeah look forward to it thank you thank you thank you very much. Uh, and this podcast, we hope, will be readily available by Twitter and on our website. And anybody listening in that wanted to find any of those links to support uh, can do so on our wellbeing page on the womeninfamilylaw.net.
1: Thank you.